Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The day the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Governor Gavin Newsom reaffirmed California's role as a sanctuary for those outside the Golden State seeking abortion care. I am very mindful that California can play an outsized role at this moment. But can it? Especially when some 40 percent of counties in the state don't have abortion providers, making it hard for hundreds of thousands of Californians to get the help they need. We look at the realities of abortion access in California, next on Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome to Forum. Some 11,000 people will travel to California each year seeking abortion care now that Roe v. Wade is overturned. That's according to estimates from researchers at UCLA. So can California accommodate the influx, especially when many parts of the state, rural areas, among others, have few, if any, abortion providers? We look at those questions this hour of forum, and we want to hear from you. What challenges have you faced trying to access abortion care in California, which Governor Newsom has affirmed as a sanctuary for those seeking the procedure? You can share your experience by emailing forum at kqed.org, posting your stories on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or by giving us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Let me tell you who's joining us today. Fabiola Carrion is Director of Reproductive and Sexual Health at the National Health Law Program. Fabiola, so glad to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Also, John Dunn is with us, President and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Orange and San Bernardino Counties. John, glad to have you on as well. Thank you. Good morning. So I'm curious, John, does that 11,000 estimate of people traveling to California for abortion care by by the UCLA study, does that sound about right to you? It actually sounds a little low to me. Hmm. Um, we here in Southern California are particularly conscious of the state of Arizona, which uh, for the time being um, has some limitations that are pushing patients our way. We know that in Arizona, they did 13,000 abortions for the past several years annually. So just in Arizona alone, I think we could easily see 11,000 patients. So I would be surprised if it's not greater than the number that the UCLA folks are are, uh, suggesting. And you have been seeing a steady increase since Texas introduced its abortion ban last fall. Can you give me a sense of what you have seen in terms of an increase, some of the numbers you are experiencing at your clinics? Sure. Um, We're still not seeing huge numbers and we expect to see more, but when SB8 went into effect, uh, the Texas law that basically created what they called their heartbeat ban, uh, we went from seeing four or five patients a month to four times that. Mm. Um, And then um, we saw it jump up again um, more recently. So last month we saw 29 patients. This month, just the first 10 days of the month, we've seen 20 out-of-state patients. So it seems to be sort of doubling 
each month. And we expect we could easily see between 100 and 200 um, out-of-state patients a month going forward. And just remind our listeners why people seeking abortions might come to California instead of closer states where abortion procedures are still being performed. Yeah, what we're seeing is sort of a domino effect. Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, for example, uh, Texas patients who might be seeking care uh, and can't get it there might go to Colorado or Nevada or New Mexico, except what's happening there is that their uh, health centers are becoming overwhelmed. And so the patients, both from Texas and those states, some of them are finding they can't get an appointment in a timely manner. And so they're forced to go further and further west until they finally come to California, where fortunately, I think we do have adequate resources to serve most of those folks. Yeah, I think that UCLA study said on the high end, it's expecting 16,000 or it could be 16,000 additional people coming to California every year. But I think they gave a range of about eight to 16. So it'll be interesting to see what California experiences. But Fabiola, I'm curious, can we accommodate Within that range of numbers, uh, Newsom and other state officials say they want California to be able to provide abortions to people in states where the procedure has been banned or is now severely restricted. So how is California committing to helping out-of-state abortion seekers at this time? Yeah, I think that we're getting ready for it. Right now, we're very excited about a legislative package that um, legislators and Governor Newsom has shown support of, uh, which does a number of things. One, we are getting ready to provide grants for safety net providers who are going to be receiving both those who have who have no insurance in California, no abortion insurance, as well as those who are coming out of state. So that's really exciting. And to the point that John was making earlier, I think that there are going to be people who are, who are coming from states that are not bordering us just because we are committing to accepting them and we are committed to paying for their abortions um, if they get here. The other bills that are in the works right now is a healthcare Forks training program. So we're trying to make sure that as many providers as possible, even those that are not providing abortion right now, are ready and know how to do it. And lastly, we have a scholarship and loan forgiveness programs for providers who want to become abortion providers for uh, medical residents who want to make sure that they are serving the communities um, throughout California. So, John, I'm curious, first, are some of the things that Fabio is laying out, will they be helpful to Planned Parenthood? And also, what realities or concerns would they not address that you are currently facing right now that you think is important for our listeners to know? Oh, the package that has been uh, signed into law by Governor Newsom and and funded in the last state budget will be tremendously helpful to us. Uh, It basically provides all the financial resources we'll need to be able to serve out-of-state abortion patients. So we were committed to serving them anyway, but uh, it actually relieves uh, Planned Parenthood of doing the fundraising to have to uh, be able to help folks get here, um, help them with logistics like travel or hotel stays if they need them. Um, So that will be tremendously helpful. Uh, You you know, one of the areas that is addressed by some of this Uh, legislation and funding is uh, additional funds for security. Mm. Um, And that's certainly an ongoing and growing concern. We have definitely seen uh, a heightened level of both numbers of protesters and aggressiveness on their part uh, in the last several months. We've also had some actual 
threats. In fact, most of the uh, Planned Parenthood affiliates in Southern California have, have had threats just in the last couple of weeks that have required our involving law enforcement and um, have definitely heightened our awareness and our need to increase security. So that's an ongoing concern that we're monitoring. Do you think California being so public about its position as an abortion sanctuary has made it a bit of a target? I think we certainly are a target and we will be a target. Uh, I, 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 we appreciate that Gavin Newsom has been a champion for reproductive rights and, and both the governor and our legislative leadership have been outspokenly supportive. Uh, I do think as the numbers of patients uh, find themselves in an increasing number of states who no longer allow abortion, we will become much more of a target just because there'll be fewer places that people who oppose abortion uh, will have to protest. And so they will huh. focus their energy here. And of course, the higher profile the governor is and, and other public officials are about our role as a sanctuary state, that, that unquestionably will bring greater attention from them. I know there's new legislation trying to protect abortion providers from having to be subject to lawsuits by states with bans on the procedure and bans on people getting it who are their residents. Do you worry still, even though you have some of that legislative protection? And are you preparing for a lot of legal fees dealing with potential lawsuits? You know, that too is an ongoing concern. It's a very fluid situation. Um, uh, the legislation that passed is certainly helpful. Uh, we don't know how aggressive some of the states that are banning abortion are going to be, both from the standpoint of restricting patients from traveling to other states and also going after out-of-state providers. Uh, I expect that they probably will. And I think it's just a matter of time. And we're going to have to see a few court cases play out to find out, you know, how that might have to limit what we're doing. And, you know, we're in a balancing act right now. And I think that's going to continue ongoing between, you know, giving patients the best access we possibly can and limiting the liability for our organizations and our staff. Fabiola Carion, can you just remind us what are the challenges, the kinds of obstacles that people who are traveling to California will face or face as they're trying to access abortion care here? Yeah, I mean, if those who are coming out of states will have, will definitely have to find a way to get here and they're going to have to cross states and um, you know, there is the expense that goes with it. Um, they might have to fly, they might have to take Greyhound buses. And, you know, just to remember an abortion, even a first trimester abortion is not cheap. On average, you um, a first trimester abortion is about $600. So you they have to come up with that money um, if they're not eligible to um, be offered services via the grant that we're providing through the budget. And they have to... Um, arrange for uh, childcare, they have to arrange for lodging, they have to arrange for missed work. A lot of them will be coming from states that don't have paid family leave, and so they risk the chance of losing their job. So there is a lot that goes on in trying to get here, and I'm afraid that um, it, it's going to perpetuate the cycle of um, disadva economic disadvantage that 
a lot of themselves find themselves in, uh, which is the number one reason why so many of them uh, want to have the abortion, because they simply cannot afford to have a child or another child, as many abortion patients are already parents. Right. So, John, I know you need to leave us, but tell us how your clinic is trying to address some of these needs that these patients coming to you will have, how your clinic has been preparing as well. So we've created what we call the abortion aid program and it's, it's a comprehensive program. So we have, we have added uh, slots to our schedules. We have trained additional staff. We have recruited additional physicians. So we have the capacity, we believe, to serve as many patients as seek care uh, at our Planned Parenthood. And, and the Planned Parenthoods throughout California are, are acting similarly and gearing up for this. In addition, we've been doing some fundraising to try to help patients with those costs that Fabiola mentioned, um, if, if it's beyond what the state is, is prepared to cover. So we have made the commitment at Planned Parenthood that any patient who seeks care at Planned Parenthood will get that care regardless of their ability to pay for that care. And so no patient will be turned away because they don't have resources. And we are we have a patient navigation in place to help patients with the logistics of travel and lodging if they need it. But there are still unquestionably uh, going to be challenges for, for uh, minors, for undocumented immigrants, for the poorest women, for women of color, that those are the most challenged populations. And we know some of those folks are gonna be unable to avail themselves of services in California. John. John Dunn, Planned Parenthood of Orange and San Bernardino counties. Thanks so much for talking with us. We'll have more after the break. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Here's what we're talking about tomorrow. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to leave America? Even if practically or financially you can't, have you had this thought? We'll hear from people who are wrestling with this, and we want to hear from you. Would you leave the U.S. if you could? Why or why not? Leave a voicemail at 415-553-3300. Today, we're talking about the realities of abortion access in California post-Roe with Fabiola Carrion, Director of Reproductive and Sexual Health at the National Health Law Program, and with you, our listeners. I want to know from you if you think California is ready for an influx of people seeking abortion care, especially as California has positioned itself as an abortion sanctuary. How do you feel about California as a sanctuary state? Also, what's been your experience trying to access abortions within California? 
California. We'll be learning now about the realities of that access in the Golden State. And joining me for that is Lauren Hepler, a reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle. And also Lauren's latest article on this topic is California thinks it can be an abortion sanctuary in a post-Roe nation. These battlegrounds tell a different story. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Thanks for having me. So first, what do you mean by battlegrounds? Or I think you've also called them access deserts. What is an abortion access desert and where do they tend to be in California? Yeah, it's a great question because I think it's something that's talked about a little less in this framework of California being sort of a post-row sanctuary. But when you actually look at the numbers, about 40 percent of counties in California have no abortion provider. Those are mostly scattered around the Central Valley, far northern California, near the southern border and along the central coast. Um, And what that comes down to is just sort of much more uh, daily challenge when it comes to trying to access not only abortion, but other types of reproductive care like birth control, uh, maternal health. There are large disparities for black women in particular when you look at areas like the Central Valley and adolescent pregnancy rates that are about five times what you see in the Bay Area. Um, So it manifests in a lot of different ways, but that's sort of what we're talking about. Well, let me go to caller Guillermo in San Leandro. Hi, Guillermo. Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my phone call. So I want somebody to give me an explanation. Uh, first, I just want to be clear that I am, I believe the human rights are women's rights. I've been behind our governor for so long since he became to the Sacramento. But the only thing that I really I don't understand is why is my tax dollars has to pay for the mistakes or for the bureaucracy of the state of Texas. Mm. I understand that the humanity is important, but here in our state, we have so many issues that they need to be addressed first Mm. before to say welcome to everybody else. We have so many problems with homeless and other communities who need more help. So if the politicians are listening to this program, elections are coming, and I'm going to be watching them very close because... I believe women has the right to choose. Well, but I also believe that California has so many other needs, and we need more attention to our Californians versus the mistake that Texas is doing. Well, Guillermo, thanks for sharing your thought. Let me get Fabiola on that. Hi, Fabiola. Carion, what are your thoughts on what Guillermo is saying, and have you heard sentiments like this? Yeah, we definitely have heard sentiments like this. I don't think it's an either or. I think that we should definitely fund abortion because it's healthcare, as well as we should attend to the needs of people experiencing homelessness. In California, we have prided ourselves of welcoming immigrants and being a sanctuary for refugees. And there is no reason why we cannot offer those that type of support to people who are not able to access healthcare in their own state. It's the compassionate thing to do, and it's the right thing to do. Like I said, um, we do provide um, we are offering grants to providers who are not only serving serving people outside of California, but those within California, and are attending to the needs of the gaps of um, that there are in the state, like my colleague referenced earlier, um, like rural areas and impoverished areas. Yeah. Well, Danny writes, I think California will be well prepared because I think California saw this overturn in a anticipated state mode and has the resources to be able to handle the influx. The other thing that we're talking about, of course, Lauren, right now, is the influx plus trying to shore up the needs that exist here in California. And to remind us, 
Who feels the dearth of abortion services most acutely in California? Who do they tend to be? Yeah, so this is um, a an issue of geography, like I was laying out before, but it also there are very stark differences when it comes to race, race and ethnicity. Um, so if you look at an area like Fresno, say, um, we know that black babies are two times as likely to die um, due to complications with infant mortality as babies of other races. Um, so there, again, this is something that goes beyond abortion. It really speaks to a broader dearth of public health in in some of these areas that you could call access deserts or, or use another term. Um, but the, the impact is definitely not evenly felt. And about how many abortion clinics exist in California? So it's actually interesting when you look at it, California has about a quarter of the nation's abortion clinics. That's around 168 the last time I checked with UCSF. Um, But one thing a lot of folks might not realize is that those clinics are actually outnumbered by what are called crisis pregnancy centers. California's home to around 179 crisis pregnancy centers. And we can talk more about those, but those are basically anti-abortion centers, often with an explicitly religious bent um, Um, that will try to convince folks who are seeking uh, abortion care or birth control that, uh, you know, you should think about parenting or adoption instead, which, of course, those are those are options folks can consider. Um, But at those places, abortion care is not on the table. Other types of care that folks might need is not on the table. So I think when you think about California as a sanctuary, that's that's one thing that tends to get lost in the conversation, how confusing it can be to even find the type of clinic you're looking for in some areas. I see. So, yes, I was going to ask you if you could draw the line for me of having more crisis pregnancy centers contributing to what you've identified as uh, hundreds of thousands of people, women, non-binary people, transgender people, people with the capacity um, to bear children not being able to access the care that they need. Yeah, I mean, this was really stark. Um, once again, to go back to Fresno, uh, I went with a photographer just to to see kind of the, the morning scene outside the, the downtown Planned Parenthood there. And I, I wasn't surprised at all to see folks with um, signs saying every child is a wonderful creation. They had little blue bags that uh, were advertising abortion pill reversal. So, you know, these types of protesters you might have heard of before. Uh, but was interesting was what they were telling folks that they were sort of approaching people coming out of the Planned Parenthood clinic and, and saying, oh, you know, you should go to another clinic instead. And and when I listened into those conversations, they were directing folks to an organization called Obria Medical Clinic. And this is sort of a new iteration of these types of crisis pregnancy centers. Um, it's a lot sleeker. It's It says on the website that it's committed to, to life. But when I, I actually went to the clinic lobby, it looks very much like any kind of medical office. And this group um, the the larger network, Obria, uh, recently won a federal contract up to five million dollars. So if you're just a clin- uh, if you're just a patient being approached, it's kind of like, why wouldn't I go to this federally funded clinic? It, that sounds like a good alternative. But that's the kind of decisions people are having to make on the fly under pressure. And again, it's really important to note abortion is an extremely time sensitive medical procedure. So that that complicates all of this. Has hospital consolidation contributed to I think there's been actually a bit of a decline in the number of facilities. Am I right? 
um, that provided abortion services. And some have pointed to the fact that maybe county hospitals becoming bought by private or religious organizations has reduced abortion access. Yeah, that's a big concern for um, abortion rights groups like NARAL. They say that hospital consolidation as well as low reimbursement rates have really been kind of like a, a consistent drag on abortion services in California. And again, that's something the state is trying to target with this most recent budget cycle. There, There is more funding available now. But we know from one Bloomberg analysis that about a dozen clinics closed in California from 2011 to 2016 alone. Um, and, and as I saw in communities like Visalia out in the Central Valley, there are very current fights also going on about clinic expansion. Well, Julie writes, why is it that abortion clinics exist at all? Why isn't it that every gynecologist can't perform an in-office abortion? Can we encourage abortion services to locate along interstate highways near motels? I guess hospital consolidation is in part the answer to Julie's question. But Fabiola, are there any other reasons that, as Julie asks, that abortion clinics need to exist? Why can't every gynecologist perform an in-office abortion? I think it's because of the stigma that is associated with providing abortion and the fact that there is not enough training for abortion provision, which is something that I remarked earlier we're working on. Um, Certainly, there are efforts to train primary care providers and other OBGYNs so that they can provide abortions too. Uh, But at least here in California, you, um, or or in other states, you know, they are not... um, a lot of providers are not just kind of don't refuse to provide or don't want to provide or want to focus on, on certain aspects of the OBGYN practice. We're talking with Fabiola Carrion, Director of Reproductive and Sexual Health for the National Health Law Program, Lauren Hepler, reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And you, our listeners, are with us. Do you think California is ready for an influx of abortion seekers? How do you feel about California as a sanctuary state? How do you feel about the challenges Californians have experienced accessing abortion here, as Lauren Hepler has described? And what are your thoughts about ways to help Shore up the lack of access if that is something that you would like to see. You can email forum at kqed.org, post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or you can call us 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. I want to bring Michelle Rivera into the conversation now, program manager at Act for Women and Girls based in Visalia, California. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Lauren was talking a little bit about Visalia and about the challenges people have faced accessing abortion. I understand that you yourself have uh, tried to obtain an abortion in the Central Valley. Could you share your experience with us um, and some of the ex- some of the barriers you faced? Yeah, definitely. So I did obtain an abortion in uh, twenty twenty, uh, later twenty twenty. So on top of like, you know, the barriers of like going to the actual clinic, um, a lot of clinics were really restrictive of like uh, having people come or having guests come um, with you. So I did have to go alone uh, to to these um, appointments. So I live in Tulare County. Um, our neighboring counties are Kern County, Kings County, and Fresno County. Tulare and Kings County have no physical abortion clinics. I had to travel to Fresno um, about an hour away, an hour uh, round trip, uh, multiple 
multiple times. So I actually had to go see um, the abortion provider multiple times to ensure that it wasn't an atopic pregnancy since I was so early on. Mm. Um, but I had to, again, take time off. I had to schedule, actually schedule, like taking my medic, uh, the medical abortion on the weekend. So I wouldn't have to lose more work. And I had to pay about a grand out of pocket um, with my, my private insurance as well because of the multiple um, appointments. And it was really important for you to find someone who was gender inclusive. Was that hard? Oh, yeah. Growing up in the Central Valley and working primarily with queer and trans youth um, in the Valley, too, it's always been a struggle to get any type of gender affirming care or even like education and like uh, comprehensive sex ed that covers uh, gender and identity as well. So I was lucky enough um, that when I did find out I was pregnant, my LPGYN at the time, it was very uh, gender inclusive and um their values very aligned with mine, and they right away uh, gave me my pregnancy options. When I've heard many cases with many other youths, with my friends, that when they did find out they were pregnant, right away the doctor would be like, well, here's your next appointment for prenatal care, uh, and we're not presented with any pregnancy options. Hmm. So, Michelle, I'm curious, you also wanted to try to open or at least expand uh abortion care services in Visalia. Can you talk a little bit about what you encountered when you tried to do that? Yeah, so we currently have a satellite Planned Parenthood uh, clinic here in Visalia, very limited hours and a bit of like limited services. Um, And so they were planning to do an expansion of that was going to also include more expansion of like gender affirming care, so hormone therapy, um, some behavioral health um, services on top of their STI testing and all that comprehensive care. Um, And um, there was talks of expansion for uh, obtaining medical abortions. And so so once uh, I believe the the folks that were going to lease the building to Planned Parenthood caught wind, uh, they immediately shut it down. And then immediately um, the Right to Life uh, movement here in the in our Kings and Tulare County uh, started organizing and like uh, protesting. And so we did have a city council meeting to do a hearing. They initially, you know denied it and and are going to try again um, in the future to look for another location but we wanted to show our support and say that you know we still need the expansion and it was a huge you know right to life um group that was standing right in front of the city hall and they were as we were entering in we were across the street entering in to do public comment uh they were praying for us they had their children uh there with them um they were just talking like trying to like talk straight to us or just talk um, stuff to us and we were all confined in a, in a little uh, room going into uh, public comment and like things were just kept on getting heated um, as well um, just a lot of like side talk laughing people rolling their eyes when we would like be speaking in support of uh, Planned Parenthood. Mm, so it didn't feel like a safe or respectful environment. Lauren quickly do tell us what happened with that. It sounded like all the public pressure had an impact. Yeah, as as Michelle can speak to firsthand, this is also not like a new clinic proposal. Planned Parent has been working for six years to try to open a, a broader clinic in Visalia, um, and so the in this case, as as Michelle said, the the developer who who owned the the office that Planned Parenthood was trying to occupy ultimately withdrew the proposal. They did that after a neighboring landlord challenged the permit and after this backlash that Michelle was detailing. So, Michelle, when I hear you talk about your experience, uh, both 
personally and also professionally. What is your reaction when you hear our governor say, we're going to fight like hell against extremists trying to roll back our constitutional rights? I, I'm, I'm very much appreciative and grateful to be, um, you know, a part or in the state that does uh, allow those freedoms. Um, but I also look at the realities. I also grew up and experienced the realities that, you know, uh, a lot of the times when uh, legislative bills are fighting, you know, are you know, past or really fighting for freedom and more accessibility. Um, when it comes down, like the trickle down effect, it really hits the Central Valley like very last or just is not implemented at all. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that, like, oh, it's going to be a sanctuary state and we have continued support, I was happy. And, and I'm, you know, of course, I'm happy. I'm just now also preparing and, you know, for the influx of folks coming to the Central Valley as well, while we're like, still advocating and trying to also um, help and support our folks in the Central Valley. Michelle Rivera, they are a program manager at Act for Women and Girls based in Visalia. Thank you so much for talking with us and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. We're also talking with Lauren Hepler, reporter at the San Francisco Chronicle. Her piece is California Thinks It Can Be an Abortion Sanctuary in a Post-Roe Nation. These battlegrounds tell a different story. Also, Fabio Lacarion is with us, Director of Reproductive and Sexual Health at the National Health Law Program. You, our listeners, are sharing your thoughts on whether or not you think California is ready for an influx of abortion seekers, is providing enough abortion care for the state right now, how you feel about California as a sanctuary state. And of course, if you want to share your experience trying to obtain an abortion in California, you can call us, 866-733-6786. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This hour, we're talking about the realities of abortion access in California, post-row, with Fabio Lacarion, the Director of Reproductive and Sexual Health at the National Health Law Program, and Lauren Hepler, a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And you, our listeners, are with us. And let me get to your calls and comments. Robin in Oakland. Hi, Robin. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I am curious, how can we open our homes as a safe place 
when someone is coming from out of state and, you know, um, providing a bed, even transportation to a clinic, there's something we can do. Mm. Stephanie has a similar question. How can we volunteer to support people who are seeking abortions here? Can we make meals or be clinic escorts? Fabiola, any thoughts for both Robin and this commenter, Stephanie? Yeah, definitely. There are practical support groups that offer uh, financial as others as well as other types of support for abortion patients, both in California and outside of California. And one of them is Access Reproductive Justice. So if you just search for Access Reproductive Justice, there are only statewide California abortion fund, and they work with volunteers and they also accept donations. Well, thanks for the question, Robin. Let me go to Marlene in Walnut Creek. Hi, Marlene. Hi, um, I'm just trying to understand um, why your program and many of the guests on your program have such hostility towards crisis pregnancy centers, because these are centers that actually help women have true choice. If they choose to carry out their pregnancies, they provide them with resources, finances, you know, baby clothes. You know, a lot of women seek abortion because they feel like they have no choice. Either their relationship is, is in trouble or they don't have the resources. And these pregnancies provide, the centers provide that. And so it's really giving women choice. And I just feel like there's always so much attack towards mm. them. Well, it just doesn't make sense. Let me get Lauren to respond. I think it was Lauren who was reporting on crisis pregnancy centers and was talking about them a moment ago. Lauren, your response to Marlene? Yeah, I mean, it's just how you think about the meaning of the word choice. Um, the advocates I spoke to who are more in support of abortion rights in the Valley said crisis pregnancy centers do not, in fact, offer a full spectrum of choices. Um, as, as you say, I, I did also speak to some folks who, who have sought care at crisis pregnancy centers if they did decide to parent, uh, maybe get some prena- prenatal guidance um, if you're looking for information on adoption. But it's also disingenuous to say that all of these facilities offer a full spectrum full spectrum of choices if you're interested in abortion care. Lauren, you've talked about some of the protests that you saw in Fresno, some of the things that you saw in Visalia when there was an attempt to expand the Planned Parenthood there to provide abortion services. You also reported, and I wanted to ask you about this, about two high-profile cases in Kings County where women were prosecuted after delivering stillborns. Can you tell us a little bit about that case? Yeah, so it's interesting. We're actually talking about two cases here, very similar circumstances that happened in 2018 and 2019. The women's names were Adora Perez and Chelsea Becker. And um, they both went into labor at an Adventist hospital in the county seat of Hanford in Kings County. And they were both flagged by their medical providers after they delivered stillborns. Um, the the babies, they were full term at that point or near full term, um, had tested positive for methamphetamine. Uh, And so uh, law enforcement was brought in and the district attorney there, Keith Fagundes, uh, ultimately charged both women with murder. Both of them went to jail before uh, advocates from out of the area picked up the cases and they were later released. Um, So, you know, that's a pretty far cry from, from what we're talking about now in terms of California being a sanctuary. These aren't the first cases like this. They've happened in past decades as well when Um, Concern about drug use was similarly at a very high level. 
Um, and, and it was interesting, though, to, to follow these cases because that district attorney was just defeated in his June reelection campaign, though there were other issues brought up in terms of harassment allegations and other things that had been aired in court documents. But it's these kinds of local cases that, you know, might not always be as headline grabbing that are going to be a huge part of the state's reproductive justice future. Fabio Lacarion, is the state aware of and worried about pregnancy related prosecutions? abortion-related prosecutions. Yes, the attorney general recently released a bulletin saying that his office won't won't criminalize, won't go after um, any person uh, because of their pregnancy outcome. We also, as part of the legislative package that we have introduced this year, we have AB 2223, which uh, seeks to decriminalize abortion and pregnancy law. So uh, I know that we're working very, very, you know, very closely with um, the legislative and the and the executive, and now um, we're putting extra um, measures so that this no longer happens. Let me go to caller Hamish in San Jose. Hi, Hamish. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just wondering how much of the burden we currently face with this issue would be solved by actually trying to solve the issue even further upstream. It looks like, statistically anyway, a lot of, of a preponderance of the people who need access to the service usually are in this situation because, you know, the economic situation or too early in life or, you know, various personal choices or decisions. So I'm talking specifically around birth control, access to such measures uh, uh, ahead of time uh, to, to, you know, avoid the predicament later on. Um, and I see far few of us talking about that. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. because this is a very pertinent and now issue. But I was wondering if that's an essential part of the solution going forward as well. Is making enough contraception available an essential part of the solution, Fabiola? Yes, definitely. We have a bunch of measures um, that we're advancing now trying to address that. The first thing that we haven't mentioned is the ballot measure that voters are going to be looking at in November, which reaffirms the right to abortion and contraception. The other measures that I spoke about earlier, um, providing grants for safety net providers is for both abortion and contraception. The government, the state government is also giving money, a 10 million one-time grant for Title 10 providers that only provide family planning services. So certainly contraception is part of the mechanism to try to address uh, the reproductive health care crisis in the in California and throughout the U.S. So, yes, we're, we're looking into that, too. Well, this listener writes, why do so many people need to go to abortion clinics? Can't any medical doctor prescribe the abortion pill? So this is now the medication um, to end pregnancies. Can you talk about that and some of the complications around that for California? Fabiola. Yeah, I would love for that to happen. The reason why not every provider can just prescribe medication abortion is because medication abortion, which involves mifepristone and misoprostol, have to be provided by a certified provider. So a certified provider, these are medicines that are subject to a REMS requirement, which is our very strict FDA standards, where providers need to receive training and receive certification and go through a lot of onerous processes in order to prescribe 
prescribe and dispense medication abortion. So not everyone can do it. They have to certify, they have to get training, they have to fill out all of this paperwork, which is one of the ways that makes uh, access to medication abortion and abortion more generally really difficult to, um, which makes it so limited. And what are the risks that you make sure people know? And and do you have any strategies that you've already suggested for people who want to provide medication outside of the state? For those who want to provide, that is a risk that a lot of providers have to assess. Um, Definitely, um, I know that federally, uh, President Biden is looking into how is it that we protect abortion providers who are prescribing in states that don't have bans on on the telehealth delivery of medication abortion. So um, 19 states already prohibit um, what we call TMAPs. A lot of Uh, legislation has been introduced this year to ban medication abortion. Of course, this becomes sort of like a legal battle that has yet to be resolved. Um, So what I would say is I would very, if I was a provider, I would look into the state law in which that patient is at to see if they run any legal risks in terms of um, sending the medication abortion to that patient out of state. Let me go to caller Barbara in Camarillo. Hi, Barbara. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Thanks uh, for calling. Well, I wanted to share an experience that I had back in the 80s. Uh, it was here in California, and uh, I was helping to protect a clinic uh, so people could cross the line and make their own choices. I had uh, some very big guys with SS tattoos trying to shove us and push us out of the way. And this went on for quite a while, and all of a sudden these guys backed up and were backing away from us, and I couldn't figure out why. Well, we had some men come up in back of us who were supporting us. And if women do not have support, I don't care if it's with diapers or it's with making their own choices, we need that in this country. If you're talking about taxes, we need to make sure our taxes go to the things we want them to go to and not something else. We need to support people, and I don't care how many come into California. I am my sister's keeper, and I am going to try to support people. Mm. If we don't realize that this is a slippery slope and we're going to be knocked off one by one, then you know something I welcome my government to come in and help me, and I don't want to be seeing people on the steps of the government trying to tear my government down. The government is there to help me and everybody. Well, Barbara, I can hear that this is heartfelt for you. Thanks for calling. Lisa tweets, It is much harder to access abortions in California than politicians want us to know. The state has done little to make sure services are available to all Californians. California already treats women like second-class citizens. It's so hard to find rape kit testing in California, and locations where it's offered have long wait times. We're talking with Fabiola Carrion, a director of the Reproductive and Sexual Health a director, director of Reproductive and Sexual Health at the National Health Law Program. Lauren Hepler is also with us, a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Lauren, I think you've 
talked about and looked at some of these local examples. Do you fear that there are so many local examples of difficulty accessing the kinds of abortion services that people need, pregnant people need, that we just don't hear about, like what Lisa was saying here? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the issue here. It's when you look at communities that we know have long been marginalized when it comes to being underserved. The Kaiser Family Foundation has said areas like the Central Valley already have what they call a, quote, severe lack of primary care providers. So abortion is is just when you dig a bit deeper into that, you see how that manifests when it comes to to health for pregnant people and, and women seeking that care as well. Um, I I think that the overarching question here is kind of like, what are the limits of this concept of being a sanctuary state, both within California, but then again, given how time sensitive abortions are, if, if you've got patients out of state that are scrambling to try to get the resources to, to even come here, that's that's going to be the problem. Like the other speakers have said, California is really kind of unrivaled when it comes to the resources available if you get here. But that's just the huge variable that right now no one is entirely sure how it's going to pan out. Well, Julie has a comment uh, on crisis pregnancy centers. Julie writes, a friend of mine had a baby she could not afford, and she went to a crisis center for help because she could not afford diapers. They gave her three diapers and opened a pack of wipes and gave her a few. If these organizations actually helped financially, I would support them, but they don't. Another listener writes, will California recognize medical degrees from states where abortion is outlawed? Could an OBGYN with a very recent medical degree from a Texas institution be qualified to practice within the state of California since they hypothetically would not have received abortion training at their Texas-based institution? Fabiola? Recognizing out-of-state medical degrees? Yeah, we cannot recognize state out-of-state degrees. However, we do have another bill that is expediting licenses, medical licenses for those who are coming from other states and want to provide abortions in California. Let me go to Lewis in Saratoga. Hi, Lewis. Hi, um, I have a quick question. Hopefully you can get a good answer. Um, I'm in pharmacy school, and has there been any, um, I don't know the right word, looking into pharmacists gaining prescriber rights for some of these, uh, for the abortion combo pills. Um, uh, pharmacists are currently able to administer vaccines, which is something they historically had, can't, couldn't do. Um, they can prescribe naloxone for opioid patients. So is that a potential route to essentially expand the providers of abortion and, and expand access? Uh, Louis, thanks. Fabiola, back to you. Yeah, certainly. So I was talking about the REMS restrictions on mifepristone and misoprostol. So for 20 years, medication abortion has existed for a very long time. Only uh, providers, certified providers could, could prescribe and dispense the medication abortion in person. Thanks to a lot of advocacy at the end of last year, the FDA said now retail pharmacies um, can dispense medication and abortion. So this is something that's coming um, th- that's coming down the pike. I think the FDA is now going to release the exact um, guidelines on how um, retail pharmacies can do that. They would still, however, have to be certified under the RAMS and undergo th- some training. So certainly that hasn't been the case, and that's because of FDA requirements, but we're really hopeful about this new um, S- FDA guidelines so that more retail pharmacies can be certified and and prescribe uh, and dispense the medication abortion. Fabiola, earlier we heard caller Barbara from Camarillo talking about how passionate she is that California be a sanctuary state for abortion 
access and voters, there is an attempt to enshrine the right to an abortion in California's constitution. Voters will be able to decide how they feel about that. But at the same time, there's also a movement uh, to pass a federal ban on abortion. I'm wondering, and one of the questions that we get a lot is whether or not if voters enshrine the right to an abortion in California's constitution, it would protect it from a federal ban. Yeah, it would be, uh, that's also something that would be subject to litigation, but we imagine that if a right is enshrined in our constitution, then we are protected, at least in California, from a federal statute. So um, hopefully this ballot will be passed in November, and if a federal law does, does get to be enacted, then we will be protected, and I'm sure we would, if you know, someone has sues us, then we will litigate and, um, you know, uh, advance and, and you know, our, our state constitution and, and, you know, just say that our state constitution should protect us rather than the federal law. Isaac writes, how will these court battles and abortion restrictions affect the upcoming elections? Are there studies on demographic movements from state to state due to the abortion ban and other civil restrictions? It might be a little early, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on Isaac's question quickly, Fabiola. I mean, I would say that in California, we're very lucky that um, we're very confident about um, the support for abortion access. I think that so far, actually, as because of the Dobbs decision, um, a lot of people are expressing more support on uh, Roe v. Wade on the on the case that um, established the right, the constitutional right to abortion. Um, so I think overall, we 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 feel confident that more people are um, accepting of the right to to abortion. And so um, hopefully this is going to uh, encourage people to go out and vote, uh, in particular, those who are capable of of having a pregnancy. And Lauren, finally to you, what do you think Californians need to understand about the realities of California as an abortion sanctuary? I think this is a huge test for a California that's changing really quickly. So when you go to an area like the Central Valley, there are these longstanding disparities. But this is also a period of immense change. A ton of people moved to Fresno in the Valley during the pandemic. The housing market's going nuts out there. So what happens in the next few years when it comes to trying to expand access to reproductive care on the ground, to conversations about local politics is going to be a huge, huge question for the state's future. Lauren Hepler of the San Francisco Chronicle, Fabiola Carrion of the National Health Law Program. My thanks also to Michelle Rivera of the Act for Women and Girls Visalia Organization and John Dunn of Planned Parenthood of Orange and San Bernardino Counties, who also joined us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.